This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. Hey, everybody. My name is Jeff, and I'm, I'm going to start us off tonight. Um, but I know you saw a lot of beautiful people, you know, scrolling through all those, all those cool wedding pictures and then all, all these beautiful people on that video. But I'm going to have to set the bar another few notches higher. I'm going to show you our wedding. Don't, don't get too threatened by this, but I'm going to show you our wedding picture. It's pretty stunning. So if you want to show them, there it is <laughs> in all its glory. Like, oh, my word. It just makes me nervous to look at that even now. Like, it, it was bad when it was taken, right? <laughs> well alone 37-ish years ago. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> wow. Anyway, let's go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's us uh, today, 37 years later. We were um, in that first picture, um, barely Christians. I mean, we had come to know Christ. Both of us had come to know Christ right up here at UNI, and, and uh just as young, I don't know, kind of impetuous young people just thought, man, we should just get married, you know? And at all times, I look back and I'm like, where was somebody saying, what are you doing? You're 19, you're barely in Christ, you don't know anything, what are you doing, you know? But nobody did, they just kept letting us go and so we got married and it has just been such a beautiful ride. It's almost like we got to grow up together, right? We were so young and brand new believers and so we got to grow up together, and 37 years later, um, I can honestly say, you guys, I've, I've never been more happy, just genuinely happy in my marriage as I am right now, and so um, that's us. And then also, we've added a few to the tribe. So uh, this is just, I don't know, several weeks ago now, but we've got, five, we've got four grown children, and these are our five grandkids, and uh, Grafton, of course, is not cooperating real well just like his father did not before him. But anyway, so yeah, those are, those are our grandkids now and loving life. Um, I was telling somebody else as we um, were just out mixing it around that I have actually just really loved every stage of life, every station of life, and, and thought at times like, oh man, I don't know if I want that kind of next phase of life. This is this is the sweet spot. This is where we're really kind of firing on all cylinders, you know, and then you get to that next stage and you're like, this is awesome, you know, and, but I think I can say objectively, the empty nest stage actually is like truly the best stage. It's, it's, um, it's that time where all the, the heavy lifting of the children is gone. Now we've still got issues, right? That never goes away. They're still all people and now we got more of them, but it, at least we're just kind of bonded just the two of us together again in a, in a unique way. So really happy. I was glad when, when Cody asked me to be able to come up and do this because um, this isn't going to be drawing out of a well of kind of aspiration or I wish this was true. Um, God's actually given us a great marriage and I'm, I'm grateful for that and um, eager to share some stuff with you tonight. So my part is on pursuing friendship and I was thinking about this actually um, in light of somebody you've heard of a lot, uh, C.S. Lewis. In fact, he's probably the most abused, overused person in sermons. Like people who have never actually read C.S. Lewis still quote C.S. Lewis. Um, he's one of those kind of guys. But, but I think he, his story, as it pertains to marriage as friendship, uh, I think really should be told. So he um, married this, this woman named Joy. But here's the thing about their marriage. If you've never 
heard his history or his story. So C.S. Lewis was this great theologian, brainiac, Oxford scholar guy, um, but found out that there was this American couple that had started to read his books and were pretty into him and so started a correspondence. He was pretty famous actually for replying with like handwritten letters to anybody that would write him and so started this correspondence. Anyway, fast forward this, this couple back in America, things fell apart terribly. He became this abusive man, became like a, like a serial adulterer, alcoholic. I mean, it was a terribly abusive situation. She ended up kind of fleeing with her sons over to the UK where, where C.S. Lewis was. And things just kept going worse and worse to the point where she was going to have to maybe go back home and put herself and these sons into this abusive situation. And instead, she got a divorce and C.S. Lewis actually married her. They had no relationship, like romantic relationship at all married her just to get her a visa in order to stay in the UK and kind of be safe with her kids. Actually, as an act of kindness, as an act of charity for this woman. They didn't even live together, you guys. They got married, went back, to just like a civil ceremony, went back to their separate homes. But here's what happened. Um, Joy ended up getting cancer. And as she began to battle cancer, um, he was her kind of best friend around in this strange foreign country and started just caring for her. And as cancer goes, many of you have, have had cancer even in, in your own life, somebody close to you. There were these ups and downs and highs and lows and, and he was just always there. He was the one in his heart and her heart. They just started getting knit together to the point where they fell in love with each other and it became this beautiful, beautiful really love story of these two coming together. These are the most unlikely, you guys, you gotta understand, here is this Oxford scholar, brilliant dude. She was like this kind of harsh New Yorker, had this really strong New Yorker accent, kind of a fighter, punchy, just loud, you know, and here he is, this like highbrow scholar, you know, guy, and, and she's just this kind of off the wall dude. She was a communist. All these kind of, like you would, if you would have thought the opposite of the kind of person you would think C.S. Lewis would marry, that would have been joy. But through this trial and friendship and kindness, they actually fell in love, ended up getting married, but this time in a chapel before God and really sealed their lives together. But it wasn't long later. Actually, you know, as the highs and lows of her cancer, it was actually at a time when she was just doing great it looked like maybe they were gonna kick this thing and have a long, happy marriage together. It was actually in one of those really healthy moments, Joy just suddenly died. The cancer just overtook her and she died. So C.S. Lewis ended up as, a, as this prolific author that he was, started writing even about that. And if you've ever read the book, A Grief Observed, can I see a show of hands? Anybody in here read A Grief Observed? Okay, so there's just a couple people. Um, don't read it if you're weak in faith, <laughs> okay, am I right? Because his faith is so solid that when his faith gets rocked, it takes you to places of faith getting rocked that you maybe don't wanna know about, right? But So he's very honest about his faith getting rocked by this grief because he finally felt like this confirmed bachelor, totally content in his singleness, finally ends up through this crazy circumstance falling in love with the love of his life and she's gone. And it just devastates him. So I want you to hear a couple of uh, things that he wrote um, in A Grief Observed. He said, we were promised sufferings, 
They were part of the program. We are even told, blessed are those that mourn, and I accepted that. I've got nothing that I hadn't bargained for. Of course, it's different when the thing happens to oneself and not to others, and in reality, not imagination, right? Because I read that. I knew what I was getting signed on for with Christianity. I knew that. But then it happened to me, and I guess I wasn't as ready for it as I thought I was. He also says, what do people mean when they say, I'm not afraid of God because I know he's good? Have they never been to a dentist? <laughs> you got to let that one kind of soak in a minute, right? What, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I mean, I love my dentist too, but man, he hurts, you know? Like, so Lewis fell in love, you guys. Here's what I want to say. Lewis fell in love in the midst of pain and suffering and by laying down his life for someone someone so unlike him, someone so that you wouldn't think he would fall in love with or serve in that way, fell in love. Um, the kind of person you'd never think would hang out with C.S. Lewis or certainly become his wife. Uh, they had an unbelievable marriage. Unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful, romantic marriage. One for the ages. Um, so I thought about that because like C.S. Lewis and Joy, um, Therese and I are very different. Those that know us well know that we are like two completely very different human beings. But there's a spiritual dynamic. A lot of you would nod along and be like, oh yeah, I get that. We're opposites or whatever. Um, very few times do, do you know, similar people get attracted to each other. It's usually some kind of opposite that goes on. Um, but it's, it's actually anchored in the scripture, this idea back in, in uh, Genesis 2 where God will make Eve you know, for Adam because they're going to be suitable. That idea of suitable, that Hebrew word suitable, um, it doesn't mean like them. It actually has the opposite meaning like this one has some gaps. This one has some inadequacies and this one's going to fill and this one's got some inadequacies and that one's going to fill. And so they actually are suitable in the, in the way that they kind of, their weaknesses and strengths offset each other. But it's interesting that word actually often means to stand boldly out opposite right? To stand boldly out opposite. And um, often, you know, those, those differences unite us, but sometimes those differences are really irritating, you know what I mean? And, uh, but that's what often, well, it's what drew C.S. Lewis to joy. It's what drew Teresa and I together, I believe. And, and I would also say, like C.S. Lewis and joy, our friendship in marriage has probably been most forged and formed in the crucible of suffering. As I look back over 37 years, I would have to say that probably the glue that binds us most together and, and maybe the fire that is, is really burning romantically that we have for one another was actually forged most um, in suffering. So my proposition in the, just the few minutes that I've got with you um, is that I really believe that marriage is the truest form of friendship and what I want to do is actually use this Valentine's night, not so much to preach to you guys, but to talk to my wife and tell you guys what I believe my friendship with her, um, I'm getting a little emotional, I wasn't prepared for that, um, has meant to me. And I hope that maybe just by peering in a little bit into the dynamics of, of Teresa and I, that may, I, I hope there's gonna be some things for you guys to gain too. Um, like any good preacher though, there's three points and they're really quick. The, the first one, though, is, um, is that Teresa really 
grounds me. And, and I know that that word's kind of squishy and overused. Here's what I mean when I say Teresa grounds me. Psalm 103 says this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. You're like, that is the weirdest verse to attach <laughs> to this point. Let me unpack it. Why God's love for us and remembering that we are dust, I attach to my relationship with Teresa and that she grounds me. Every time I see Teresa do something that I would never think of, every time I see her act in a way that is so awesome but so unlike me, it actually reminds me of how kind of inadequate, how like dust I am and how much better I get to get swept into a better kind of person because I'm attached to her. So a couple easy examples. So this last week we found out a friend of ours uh, from, from Ames, we lived in Ames for over two decades, a guy that we had known years ago passed away suddenly, tragically, but he had a couple sisters that we also knew, the family, and uh, Teresa just, out of the blue, just reaches out to one of his sisters just to express, you know, condolences and sympathy and kindness. And uh, you guys, that meant the world to her. I, I mean, it just, it was this overwhelming gesture from somebody that was kind of afar but reached back. And I, I was, heard that, about that little interaction. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I would never do that. You know what I mean? Like, I seriously thought... I'd never even considered doing that. And I was like both ashamed, like it, remembers, it reminds me that I'm dust, right? You pathetic worm. Why didn't, you're the pastor, why didn't you think about it? You know what I mean? But, but every now and then she just does stuff like that. It just reminds me, oh man, I love that about her. And I wouldn't have that if it weren't for her in my life, you know? The way she makes our house such a home. Some of you guys have been in our home and every time somebody's gonna come, if it's a virtual stranger, and we actually do have strangers stay in our home and or family or whatever, she just, bends over backwards to make it warm and welcoming. And, and one, one guy woke up one time in our house and he said, I looked out the window at your backyard and all the love that I felt in this house. And I thought, did I wake up in Narnia? I feel like I'm in Narnia right now. But that's, that's all, all, all on my wife, just that overwhelming love. And I'm just saying, Teresa grounds me. None of that would be true of my life if it weren't for the fact that God brought Teresa into my life. And it reminds me of my like inadequacies, but I can glory in them because they're made up for, because God dropped this beautiful woman into my life and, and makes me better. Um, the second thing is that uh, Teresa tells me the truth. Um, again, the, the handful of you guys that, that know our relationship, you're like, yes, she does. She is a truth speaker, and especially to me, and I'm grateful. Uh, Proverbs 21, I love this. Better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are just excessive. Um, only, a, only a true friend will tell you what they know you don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. That's a true friend, right? You guys have heard the, is it, is it, is it the Mancioni thing with the cream, cream cheese on the face or whatever? But there's this idea that only the true friend will look across the table if you've got cream cheese and be like, hey man, you've got something. You know what I mean? That's the true friend. They, they want something for you that you're unaware of or whatever. They've got to point it out. 
truth speakers. We need truth speakers in our life. And I'm telling you that um, as hard as that is, I am so grateful to have a truth speaker in my life, someone that isn't out just to take digs. They're out to make me better. They're out to help me. They're out to reveal some things that I wouldn't have known otherwise. And uh, so I was, I was actually listening. Um, one of my favorite uh, music artists is this guy, James Morrison. And I might be the only one in the room that listens to him, and I can live with that. But he, uh, he's got this kind of Motown. He's a guy from the UK. He's got this kind of Motown, this smoker's voice, kind of, anyway. Um, I, I dig his music. He's an incredible lyricist. But he's got this song, uh, You Make It Real. And I actually had it on in the car tree. And I don't even, she doesn't even like James Morrison. And I can live with that too. But anyway, he's got this song that made me think of her. So I wanted to listen to it while she was sitting beside me in the car coming, driving up here. Here's some lyrics. Everybody's talking in words I don't understand. You got to be the only one who knows just who I am. And you shine in the distance. I hope I can make it through because the only place that I want to be is right back home with you. I guess there's so much more I have to run. But if you're here with me, I know which way to turn. You always give me somewhere, somewhere I can run. You make it real for me. And that's what I believe deeply about my wife, Teresa. <laughs> that's what she, she gives me a North Star, sometimes even by corrections, always with truth, always with there. To, it's my North Star. It's, it becomes home for me. Um, some could argue um, she makes it really real for me <laughs> sometimes. And even the really real stuff I will take all day long because she makes it real for me and speaks truth. And then um, the last one is uh, Teresa's still at my side. She's still there. Um, I'm gonna borrow from Proverbs again. A man with many friends may be harmed, but there's a friend who stays closer than a brother. So the first phrase, a man with many friends may be harmed, it's, it's clumsy Hebrew. Hebrew is often clumsy. And I think maybe a better way to translate that, or at least one legitimate way to translate that, is a man with too many friends. In fact, that's, I think the only translation that does that is the New American Standard. A man with too many friends is harmed. But then the, the last verse is really simple. There's a friend, singular friend, who sticks closer than a brother, right? So he's saying, fill up your life with just a bunch of friends, and that's probably not gonna be helpful at the end of the day. But you just know when you've got that friend, that singular friend that will never leave and will always be there. No one has stuck by me like Teresa. And I have had a load of friends. I have had more friends than any human deserves, for sure. Wonderful friends. There is one friend that has stuck me, stuck with me through it all. Um, and that has been forged through hardship. The near death of a couple of our kids, the loss of my father, moving a thousand times, maybe a thousand one, kind of lost count in those early days. And most of it's because, look, I, I'm not even an Enneagram person. All I know, because everybody keeps telling me, is that I'm an Enneagram three. And we're really irritating to people because we're always wanting go, 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 go. And so I got way too many degrees and too many cities and too many things to go to the next, next, next. And she was always there and always so eager to be with me. We had a job change not long ago. Uh, 
actually move, you know, here, here's the brilliant, every now and then if you have too many friends, they say stupid things. So all of our kids and grandkids, well, three of our adult kids and all of our grandkids live in the Ames, Des Moines corridor. We moved to Iowa City and somebody came up and they're like, wow, that's weird. Most people actually move toward their kids and grandkids when they're your age, but you're doing the opposite. I'm like, wow, Captain Obvious. No, that hadn't even occurred to me. But so I'm just saying like so happy and so blessed and it was, but, but difficult, right? Those are just difficult times. Those are difficult decisions you have to grind through together. And here's what I'm saying. Through it all, all the way through all those years, even right up to this moment, there she is. There she is with me, beside me. We want to know that our spouse isn't going anywhere, right? Even if it's tough, even if you get stretched, even if it's through some hard days, man, you want to know that they're not going anywhere. So um, one other song, it is also a secular song. I do listen to Christian music. I worship Christian music. But there's a song by the Killers um, called Rut. I know. I've got eclectic music taste. But um, you guys, I listened to this song again. I was driving uh, yesterday, and I'm in my car all by myself crying uh, with this song. So the guy that wrote it, um, his wife had actually gone through a lot of actually abuse. And so she, was, she knew, she kind of messed up. And she's using this, the song is about her kind of pleading, like, don't give up on me. Okay, so here's some of the lyrics. Don't give up on me, because I'm just in a rut. I'm climbing, but the walls keep stacking up. I can't keep pretending this stop isn't mine. The truth is on the table, and someone's got a sign. I've done my best defending, but the punches are starting to land. I'm sliding into something, and you won't understand. But don't give up on me because I'm just in a rut and I'm climbing, but the walls just keep stacking up. So I'm handing you a memory and I hope you understand that st steadily reminds you of who I really am. She's saying, she's saying, I'm gonna tell you something about me and I'm really afraid because you're not gonna like it about me. So she says, don't give up on me, and I'll climb, and I'll climb, and I'll climb. That's the part of the song I'm like, <laughs> but oh, don't give up on me. Don't you give up on me, just pleading this. Don't give up on me, and here's what I'm saying. At the heart of a good friendship is to know that you've got that Proverbs kind of friend that doesn't leave in adversity. You might have a whole bunch of friends, and that's all good, right? But you wanna know that one. <laughs> you wanna know that one singular friend, your spouse, will not give up on you. Um, so a bunch of us at Veritas are reading Lord of the Rings again. They got a bunch of geeks. They're really cool, but they're geeks. They got me Vans, <laughs> Vans shoes. I'm 57. They got me Vans because they wanted me in the cool club. Now they got me the old man Vans, but I should have worn them tonight. They got me the, the the suede ones, and they got cushy insoles instead of flat, you know, like because they they knew I'm old, but they still wanted me in the Van club. Anyway, a bunch of us are reading Lord of the Rings. Do you remember the part where where Frodo realizes Frodo? If you don't like it, just live with it. Um, Frodo decides he's got to go on on his own. And so he starts going, he goes, Sam, to his buddy, Sam, go back, go back. I'm going alone to Mordor. And you remember what Sam says? Of course you are. And I'm coming with you. <laughs> like, I'm going alone. Yeah, with me. Anyway, you just want to know you've got Samwise in your life, somebody that's not going to leave you. 
So I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room that maybe needs to master the restart when it comes to friendship in marriage. And so I don't wanna wow you with, very, this is very simple stuff, right? I just wanna have you consider how does your spouse ground you? How does your, how does your spouse remind you that you're dust and that they're actually better than you are in some really significant ways? And just delight in that tonight. Just actually really, just delight in that. Delight if you've got a spouse that's a truth speaker because sometimes, yeah, it's not fun to hear truth, but aren't you glad that you don't just have a flatterer or even maybe somebody that just never talks about anything significant? Let it be truth. Yeah, and there's just a lot of friends that we can have, but there's that friend and hopefully you've got that friend. But, but here's the deal, you guys. I know that coming into a night like tonight, um, that may not be your experience. There might be a whole lot of brokenness going on in the room tonight. And, and I don't wanna give us, as an example, to discourage you, to make you feel like, oh, well, shoot, or maybe you've got divorce in your life. Or Look, we all bring something into this room that's something less than the ideal, right? And we've, we've had our stack of something less than the ideal in our marriage and our lives. But guys, we come to moments like this, and isn't, it, isn't this the time to hit the restart of saying, yeah, but I want something more. I, whatever I bring to this starting point, this is time to master the restart, right? Tonight's the night to start to master the restart and say, that's actually what I want. And those words from the scripture, that's gotta become my... my new North Star. So I had some other stuff in here, but we're kind of out of time. Here's what I want to do. I actually want to throw it to you. I've got a, a question that I thought maybe you guys could talk about together. Um, do you have that? There it is. What is the best aspect of friendship that you see in your spouse? Immediately, we're all humans in here. We might think of wanting to go the other way how they disappoint us, and they're not the kind of friend we need, right? We're not going there tonight. That's also a healthy discussion. You can have that tomorrow. Tonight, tonight, I want you to, first, on your own, I want you to really consider what would you contribute, contribute into your spouse's ears? Just one aspect of friendship that you see in your spouse, and uh, let's just have some table time, some discussion about that, and, uh, but I would love to pray for us before we break into that, so... Lord, you are uh, the true, capital M, master of the restart. You give us opportunity to hit restart because of your grace and kindness. And I pray for all of us, for Therese and I, for all of us in this room, give us a holy aspiration to have the kind of friendship in our marriage that you really would delight to, to fan into flame in us and through us and for us. So, we give you this night, often with empty hands. We don't bring a lot to the table except a desperation to have you do something that we can't conjure up on our own. So healer, bring some healing into our lives tonight. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.